The Man in White Flashback It was New Year's Eve. I remember that night like it was yesterday. I will never forget that night. However, that night was not the happiest of times in my life. The day before, my girlfriend and I had had a fight and she had left me. What we thought about now seems so meaningless and petty, but at the time it seemed like a big thing. She seemed to work all the time and she was always getting home later than she should and even when we were alone together it always felt like I was playing second fiddle to her career. She was the teacher. But yeah, we had a fight. I told her that we needed to start spending more time together and she effectively told me to stop smothering her. Which I was shocked and honestly taken aback by when I heard her say that because I had no idea that I was being so smothering, as she put it. So she left and didn't tell me where she was going. I truly thought my girlfriend Annie would come back and that she would at least call me. But by six o'clock on December 31st, she hadn't called. So I decided to get dressed up and go to town so that I could celebrate the new year to come. I showered, I put on a new pair of black jeans that I bought, I put on a black and white sweater that I had recently bought with the number 13 on it, I put on my favourite and my smartest looking pair of shoes and I headed out of the door of my flat and went to town alone. The night of December 31st for a time felt like the worst night of my life. I was miserable and I was feeling sorry for myself and for whatever I had done or said to push Annie away. I was constantly checking my phone to see if I had missed a phone call or a message from Annie, but I hadn't received one. Then the moment arrived. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! I was standing in the middle of a nightclub when the ball dropped, as they say, and when 2013 arrived, and I was surrounded by hundreds of people embracing each other and kissing one another, but not me. No, I just stood there, looking at my phone with not even a message of Happy New Year to be found. Nobody kissed me. Nobody hugged me. However, one of the women behind the bar did look at me as my eyes were beginning to tear up and she wished me a Happy New Year, mate, which made me feel even more upset, alone and depressed. I ran out of the nightclub with tears streaming down my face and eventually I found myself in the town square and looking up at the big clock that was on the wall of one of the stores that lined the town square where I was standing. It was so quiet. There wasn't a single soul to be seen, and I was glad of that, because I was so upset and so disheartened that I screamed at the top of my lungs as I fell to my knees and onto the hard stone-covered ground. I was riddled with pain and anguish, and I felt like nothing mattered anymore. I felt alone. So alone. It was then that I heard a sound. I had received a text message on my phone, and when I took my phone out of my pocket, I instantly saw that it was from Annie, and I immediately tried to wipe my tears away. As I looked at my phone screen, 
I remember smiling with delight and with a flicker of hope in my heart. However, my hope was short-lived, and after I finished reading the message that Annie had sent me, that feeling of pain and a finality returned, as if my life was coming to an end, and I was again kneeling on the ground and in a state of complete and utter agony. I'm really sorry, Marcus, but I just can't go on lying to myself, nor to you. I hope this new year brings you happiness and that one day you will find the one for you. Annie, the message had read. I was so... I was so in shock. I was at my lowest. I honestly wanted to die. I truly wanted to end my life because I no longer felt like I had anything else to live for. And then I saw someone. I saw you. Do you remember? And the first thing that you said to me was, Do you know what day it is? Or maybe you could tell me the time. I thought I was hallucinating or imagining you. But after a few seconds of staring up at you as you stood looking down at me against the backdrop of the bright and shining stars of the night sky, I realised that you were in fact real and that you looked like David Bowie or dressed in black. Can I give you a hand? you asked as you extended your right hand to me so that you could help me up off the ground where I was still kneeling. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to mug you or anything. I'm here to help you you said. I thought to myself, who is this guy? I mean, he looks like David Bowie, but he can't be. You can't be. It still feels like a bit of a dream, to be honest. It's not every day or every night that David Bowie comes up to you and offers to lend you a hand and help you to your feet. I don't know what to say, and I guess I still don't. You saved me. I still remember that moment when you took me by the hand. It was amazing. It was like, it was like I had touched a lightning bolt. I felt instant hope and optimism again. It felt like you made me feel like I still had more to do in this world. It's okay, you said. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Believe me. I remember smiling, however at the same time feeling as if I wanted to start crying again, but this time with tears of happiness, because I felt momentous happiness and that was the reason why I did not immediately want to release your hand. I know that it took me a while before I could say anything coherent to you, but I do remember the first thing that I said to you. Happy... Happy New Year? To which I remember you replying, Happy New Year to you too. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about Annie, you said, as you continued to hold onto my hand for a few seconds longer before releasing your grasp. I... I don't know what to say, I said, as a tear fell down from my left eye. I... I just don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. What did I do? Maybe... 
Maybe if we just give each other some space. Maybe then she will come back, I said, as I could feel the energy of hope that I had only moments ago felt burning within my chest start to leave me. And yet again, my thoughts returned to Annie and the message that she had just sent me. It's not your fault. Sometimes things just... Things just happen. Whether they are good things or bad things, all comes down to interpretation and perception. Perspective. Sometimes time is the only true way to find out the truth about something, you said. And I remember that you had this look in your eyes, as if you were far away in your mind somewhere. I've always wondered where you went in that moment. But why? Why do things not last? Why do relationships, even ones that at a time were so filled with love, passion and laughter, why would any god allow something good to happen, only to one day take it away from you? I asked. You could ask the same question about children. When a child is born, most of the time they are loved instantly and unconditionally by their parents. They are showered and surrounded by love and attention, as much as humanly possible. And some parents even go so far as to sacrifice their own happiness for their children. So then, why is it that those same children who were once given all that they could ever want or need, why do they sometimes grow up and swear into the faces of their parents and tell them that they hate them? How is that for gratitude? I mean, not every child grows up to be a disrespectful brat, a lot of children do. You as a parent give your children the world and every benefit that you could possibly give them and then one day they throw it all back in your face. Like I said, not every child does that, but I've seen it happen time and time again over millennia and it always gives me pause, to put it mildly, you said, before you turned around and you put your hands in the pockets of your big black coat. Millennia? I asked, looking absolutely puzzled, I'm sure, as I followed you and then started walking alongside you. Millennia, you replied. Some things always change, while other things always remain the same, however only slightly different in appearance, you said in a solemn tone of voice. I still could not believe that I was walking with and talking to David Bowie. But perhaps that was because I knew that you were not really David Bowie. I mean, you look like David Bowie, in a fashion. However, I'm still not sure from what era you took your appearance from. I knew of David Bowie, of course, but at the time I wasn't a die-hard fan, so to speak. Are you a father? Do you have children? I asked as I tried to make sense of the enigmatic man in black whom I saw now in profile. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm also a child. I'm a teacher, but also a student. I'm a man who fell to earth. I'm a rebel. I'm a genie of dreams. I've seen it all. Everything from every side imaginable. And yet I know that there is more to see and more to be found you said, as the sound of your voice entranced me more and more with every passing second and put me in a state of complete ease. 
We walked for ages and for what seemed like miles through the darkness of the night and past all the landmarks of the town centre I knew so well. It was not long before we reached the gated entrance of St Lawrence's Church and we walked into the gravestone burial ground that surrounded the gothic-looking church. We stopped before the step that led up to the large wooden double doors of the church and then you led my attention towards the stained glass window of the church that towered above us like the imposing spires of the church always had to me for as long as I could remember. I knew St Lawrence's Church very well, as it was the same church where my sister was married. The stained glass of the church depicted Jesus sitting down and blessing some children who were kneeled before him and looking up at him. Why... why are we here? I asked quietly, as I stared up at the stained glass window, I knew you were also. You know this place? You asked, with a smile that I could see you were wearing from out of the corner of my eye. Yes, I replied. I've been here before. This is where my sister was married, I explained, as the memories of my sister's wedding began to flash back into my mind. This place, and so many like it, means so much to so many. Everybody, everywhere, no matter who they are or where they are, has a place to go to where they worship and they practice the customs of their religion, organised or personal. Christians, Catholics who believe in God and in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for humanity, come to places like this to pray and to find peace and solace in the words of their Almighty. It's a beautiful thing. And every church, every preacher and every congregation worships and shares the same holy words that they have passed down from generation to generation. Freedom to love. Freedom to believe. You would think that anybody would be allowed such a basic human rights, no matter who they were. Oh, if only it were so for all, you said with a slight furrow of your brow which I could clearly see now as I again looked at you, however still in profile of the left-hand side of your face. Who are you? I asked. The question that had burned within my mind from the instant that you had walked out of the darkness and you had offered me your hand. Like I said, I'm a rebel, you replied with a smile, still looking up at the stained glass window. And who or what are you rebelling against? And why? I asked with a smile, with an inquisitive tone of voice. Nature, you could say. Zero gravity. Silence. Definition. Expectation. A life without meaning. I follow a different path from that which I am expected to walk. I am... famous you could say, for being a non-conformist among my peers, those who think that the best way to achieve things can only come over time, and it doesn't matter how long. <laughs> time. Oh, how human. How linear. How boring, you said, before finally lowering your gaze and staring right at me. What are you? I asked, as my mind began to race with the endless possibilities of who and what you were. A star. A starman, you could say. 
I waited so long before I first reached out to this world and I did what I was always told I was forbidden from doing, even though I was aware that many before me had done so. Hmm. Small moves, incremental changes, occasional ripples in the vast ocean, that is the secret to changing the world and making things better. At first I did what I did to test the water, to test the limits to question the answers that I had known since since the dawn that followed the last sunset of the last day of what came before. Who am I? What am I? I don't know anymore. But I believe that the best way to know someone is to judge them by their actions. Rise. Shine. Rest. Repeat. A cycle that so many follow. I was utterly captivated by you, and as I listened to you speaking, I imagined images and spectacles of light and energy. Sunrises, sunsets, the earth spinning against the vastness of space. Your eyes shine brilliantly, and then I saw a shadow cover both of your eyes, as if your eyes were binary stars being eclipsed as an object came between the light in your eyes and what I saw. I don't understand, I said as I felt a pang of sadness within my heart. Yes, you do. Annie. Annie. She was your star. She was like the sun in the sky of your life. And then something, someone came between you and her, you said, as I stared at you in a complete state of puzzlement. What do you mean? I asked. Annie found someone else. Annie found something else. Annie had been keeping a secret from you, something that has been trying to burrow itself out of her for a long time. Annie lied to you because she thought she was protecting you. However, in reality, she was hurting you, you said with a smile as you touched me on my right shoulder, as if attempting to reassure me somehow. She... She has been seeing someone else? She... She has been cheating on me? With who? For how long? Why? Why would she do this to me? I asked, as I began to cry. Even if I told you who they were, you would not know them from Adam, you said before you put your right hand and you simultaneously opened both the doors of the church. I can't believe this. Is that... Is that, is that what that message was all about? Was that her way of dumping me without telling me who she really is and what she's been doing to me? I said, absolutely furious and seething. I'm going to call her. I'm going to go round to her mother's house and wake up her mother and her stepfather and the entire neighbourhood if I have to, to get an answer as to why she has done this to me, I screamed as my voice echoed throughout the church in its high rafters. You and I walked down the aisle towards the crucifix of Christ that hung on the far stone wall above the pulpit. No, you won't, you said. You will never see nor hear from her again. And for that, you should be grateful, you said, 
as we walked side by side between the rows of pews that stood either side of the aisle. Grateful? I shouted. I couldn't believe what you were saying to me. Gratitude for the one who lied and cheated on me? It might sound crazy now, but one day you will feel just that. Gratitude. Because Annie did the worst thing that she could do, and because she also did the best thing that she could do for you, you said so assuredly. What the... What the hell? I said, without a thought. However, afterwards I quickly felt guilt for what I had just said, especially when I remembered where I was and the divinity in everything I felt surrounded me. I'm sorry, but how can you say such a thing? How do I know you aren't deceiving me? I don't even know who you are. Maybe you're trying to con me. Why should I believe you? I asked. Some of only a handful of the questions that I still clearly remember thinking. Believe me. Trust me. I'm here because of you. I'm here to save you, you said as we reached the pulpit where a minister would normally stand and preach to their congregation. We both looked up at the imposing image of the crucified figure of Christ on the cross. People always have reasons for what they do. However, most people don't realise to what degree their actions are being influenced by a higher power with a greater agenda. I say a greater agenda, but sometimes it feels like they are and they have only been playing the longest of games for far too long. And a game that they started long ago, but one which has lost the true meaning of why everything began in the first place, you said, as you stared up and into the eyes of Christ on the cross, with what looked like a similar and shared expression of sadness as that which Christ had been depicted as having at the time of his crucifixion, when he died for all of humanity's sins. Why? you asked. Why? Why what? I asked. I understand why. However, I wonder how many people actually understand the power of sacrifice and what it means. I believe in sacrifice. I always have. I believe if something means that much to you, an idea, a belief, a reality, a world, if they mean that much to you, then if a sacrifice is the only way to show what that thing, what that person means to you, but for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. Everything that happens, happens for a reason. And as a rebel, I've always believed that every now and again you have to let your unique voice be heard whenever and wherever you can, you said, and with such an unwavering vigour in your voice. Why did you come to me tonight? I asked you, as I walked in front of you and I looked at you, even though you continued to look up and stare at the crucifix of Christ. Why save me? And what are you saving me from? What are you saving me for? Why me? Good question. What are my favourites? Definitely up there with who am I, you said with a smile, before you lowered your face and you looked me in the eye again. Why are we here? I asked, as I stared longingly into your eyes. Another good question, 
You're on a roll, he replied with what appeared to me to be a conceited grin. You definitely looked as if you were happy with yourself for some reason. I brought you here to tell you something for the first time. The truth about something that you may have looked for for a thousand times and you have still yet to see. To save you and to show you and to ask you to take a leap, a leap of faith. And to tell you to not look back because there is something and someone waiting for you. You have a purpose, as do we all. And sometimes our purpose is supposed to be one of our own making. I'm here to open a door for you just enough so that you can do the rest and break on through to what awaits you, you said, as I began to feel lightheaded and this, as if I were about to faint. Flash forward to right now, to right here, to you and I, as we were back then and as we still are now. However, apart from the fact that you appear to have changed your choice of attire, though white does look good on you and it definitely brings out your eyes. You must be here now and talking to me for a reason. You don't do anything accidental, but whatever you need, you know that I am here for you, just as you were there for me back then in the year 2013, when the year began. However, I cannot envision what I a lowly and ordinary human being could do to help someone as as godlike as you i see that you still look like bowie but there is definitely something different about your face and there is definitely something new in your eyes what is it why are you here how can i help you 